Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And this is our Wellness Wednesday, the second Wednesday, the first Wellness Wednesday of 2024 here on G's Power Hour. And we are pleased and blessed to welcome back Dr. Taiwan Tillman, cardiologist. Welcome. Good morning. Oh, no, 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 no. Is he not here? Okay. Going to have to try to track him down because he had some things that he wanted to talk about with regards to um, gym. Oh, well, okay. There you go. Thank you, Becky, madam, CEO. Hi there. How you doing, Dr. Tillman? I'm doing fine. How are you today? I'm doing quite well. Thank you so much. Appreciate you joining us. So I know... One of the things you wanted to talk about was about um, misinformation when it comes to medical information, which I'm pleased that you wanted to do that because I like sharing information, but my problem <laughs> is trying to make sure I have the right information. So Correct. can you give us some pointers? What are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do whenever we talk about a lot of topics is we need to define exactly what we're talking about. What is health misinformation? And actually, I'm going to give you two terms. One term I'm going to give you is health misinformation or misinformation in general. And so what that is is false or incorrect information about a topic, in this case, false or incorrect information about healthcare. But then there's also a term that you'll hear called disinformation. And disinformation is the same thing as misinformation, except for it is intentionally or deliberately misleading someone or the public. So there's misinformation and disinformation. And I think for the top, for the purpose of our discussion today, we'll use misinformation as sort of a blanket term to cover both so we don't have to keep going back and forth and saying both. But I think also in the media you'll hear misinformation used as a term that's really a catch-all to cover both what's really misinformation and intentional or deliberately misleading disinformation. So we'll use it as a catch-all term. Okay? So we'll start there. I think um, for me. Okay. And I think it's something that's really been in the media a lot for the past few years. Obviously, it came to the forefront um, with COVID and the vaccine and everybody being at home and on their computers and on social media during the quarantines and uh, conspiracy theories and all these other things. So it really became a catch term for the media over the past few years with regard to healthcare and a lot of different things. But I think it, it's nothing new. It's been around for a long time and it hasn't been as prevalent, but with the um, 
popular popularity of social media, it's become a healthcare problem, really a, a big problem for us, not only for physicians, but also for public health and for individuals as a whole. But I think if you look at it, um, what is really if well let's go back. What is some of the what are some of the older forms of healthcare misinformation that we had to deal with? Um there's always been misinformation in ads or commercials. So you think back there were always the one eight hundred commercials. There were always the books that they would sell, book of a hundred home remedies and all these things. None of which were really rooted in science, none of which were really true, but people made a lot of money off of them. So that was a type of health misinformation. You wake up at 2 a.m. and you turn on your network channels and you'll see these infomercials, as they used to call them, that would just run all the time, selling this, selling that. Most of the things that were sold for healthcare reasons were not were not legitimate. They were not actually helpful products. And one thing about supplements or things that aren't they're, they're medications that aren't regulated by the FDA. In other words, they don't have to work. They don't have to contain exactly what they say on the bottle. I'll give you a really good example of that. They did a test. This was probably about 10 years ago. They tested multiple supplements from several big retailers. I think included there was Walmart, Walgreens, Target, GNC, and they pulled several of their supplements off the counter, um, garlic and ginkgo balboa, different things like that. And what they found was most of these supplements did not even have a trace of the material that they said was supposed to be in the supplement. So say, for example, it was supposed to be ginkgo. They found that it was just dried mustard or grinded up rice. Some even had sand in them. And so, but were they legally doing anything wrong? No, because they're really not regulated, and they don't have to actually apply, you know, comply by any rules. The medications or the supplements don't actually have to work. They don't have to be effective. They can say that it's, it can be vitamin C. It doesn't have to be what's on the bottle because they're not at all regulated. And so that's, that's actually that's a disinformation because they're intentionally misleading their customers. And, um, and so that's been around. That was, you know, 10 years ago. We've also had, like I said, the infomercial. So those are things. It's not anything new, but then you throw social media in, and then you throw in the emotional part and the political part. And over the past five years, it's just blown up into something that's just become a daily problem that's almost impossible to get a handle on. So one of my questions is, though, you said there's no penalty um, food and drug wise, but isn't there like, for example, uh, I guess truth in advertising or whatever commerce type of penalties? Isn't there something? All they did with that situation arose. Um, I don't. Now, in fairness, I don't think um, the big brand stores were aware that um, the brands that they were peddling were giving false supplements. But they did pull them off the shelf, and there are a few brands that will tell you on the bottle that they do test and that the contents are guaranteed. But by and large, they're not. If you look at the bottle of supplements, the bottle will say that um, it has not been tested and that it is not guaranteed and so forth and so forth. Disclaimer that you'll see on most bottles of supplements, and that tells you that you know you're, it's at your own risk. And that's why a lot of times patients will ask me about supplements, and in general – most of the time, I will say they probably won't hurt you, but there's no guarantee that it will help you, and they have not been proven to help you. And most of the time, vitamins and supplements are 
for 99% of people, they're useless. For 99% of people, they are of no benefit. If you are taking them for some specific problem, <clears throat> say you have some type of malabsorption disorder or you have dietary deficiencies because you um, have some type of dietary restriction or you're vegetarian or, you know, there's something, some problem that you're actually treating or you're vitamin D deficient or calcium deficient, you know, in those cases, it can be beneficial. But just for people in general that are healthy, that eat a healthy diet, taking vitamins, um, most of the time it's of no benefit. And that, if you want to talk about the biggest the biggest, I don't want to say fraud, but the largest health misinformation or disinformation scandal, so to speak, that we've had, it's it's the whole it's the whole supplement environment industry. That is it, because it's it's huge, billions and billions of dollars, decades and decades and decades. It's become it's just a part of daily life for lots and lots of people, but none of it's real. Almost none of it's real. It's all disinformation because the companies that are pushing it, they know it doesn't work. They know it has no benefit, but they advertise it as it does, as if it does. And people believe that. So tons and tons of people take vitamins. It's, it's pretty normal. It's been normalized. And that's disinformation that has been just normalizing in our society. Oh goodness gracious. Okay. So, um, what what is happening in terms of, of as far as you know, t- trying to uh, regulate that uh, those products going out there with um, wrong or misleading information? Uh, how is the FDA trying to get further involved at all? So I think right now the way that is sort of handled is there are things that are under the guise of the FDA. And there are things that are not under the guise of the FDA. So the only thing that the FDA will control and will inspect are things that are under their guise. Supplements do not fall under that. And so that's why they, you know, are not involved. But um, I think for the most part, it's left up to the manufacturers and the stores that sell them to sort of, you know, police themselves in that in that regard. Um, but I, I, I think the companies that have – taken the extra step to say that they do have there is a, there are a couple of organizations that do test and verify these supplements and the companies that voluntarily submit their supplements to these companies and have them verified you know they're the companies that you know you should buy so those are the ones that you should look for that verification on your supplements if you're going to buy them to make to at least make sure that you are getting what they say you're getting whether or not they're going to help you that's a whole different story but at least you should get what you're paying for right True. What I was curious also, what about consumer groups? Because sometimes if you, d- you don't have the official uh, government uh, groups to, to step up, sometimes consumer groups can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so and these, I, I, I would say that these testing agencies are pretty much consumer groups, consumer advocate groups, that uh, they're outside of the government, but they do testing. Of course, it's for a fee. And um, but they do accurate scientific testing to identify the products that and the supplements that these companies are selling, and then the companies can then put that stamp on their product to say that this is a legitimate product that has been tested and is guaranteed to contain what we say it contains, and then that should make their product more marketable than other products that do not have that stamp of approval. Okay, what are the are, are there any 
particular or specific um, drugs or or supplements or even as far as you know foods because a lot of times we you know we turn to certain foods that have claims uh, of doing cert- having certain benefits where th- that may not be the case. Mm-hmm. Or is there something specific that we should be really watching out for? As far as that's misinformation. Yes, I think. Yes. I mean, um, well, there, it, most of so a lot of times when you hear, well, there's lots of types of of um, misinformation. So think of it. There's just flat out false misinformation where it just it's completely made up and none of it's true. And then there is misinformation that's sort of misleading. It may be may have a kernel of truth. But then, you know, they take it too far and then it becomes just mis- misleading. And so think of that like, you know, they say if you eat more of more broccoli can cure cancer. You know, there are some things, you know, if you eat a healthy diet, it may help mm-hmm. with some of with your overall health and may benefit you as far as cancer, but it's not going to cure the cancer. Right. So it doesn't matter what the illness is, if you're being healthier overall it may help your overall well-being, but it's not going to cure the cancer itself, right? Okay. And then there's there's misleading information where it may be outdated. So, you know, I have some patients that are in their 90s, and they tell me that when they were 10 years old, their doctor told them to smoke cigarettes because it would help their asthma. At the time, maybe they thought that was true, but obviously it was making their asthma worse and putting them at risk for lung cancer in the long term. So, you know, someone could say, well, so-and-so smoked for 50 years. They never got lung cancer. Smoking doesn't cause lung cancer. We know that's false, but it's that sort of outdated information. We we know at this point we know smoking causes lung cancer. And then you know there's things like you know to get to your point, it, information that may be exaggerated. So um, certain foods, you know, they say you eat certain foods or do certain things that may help you lose weight. And the reality is, you know, there is no certain food that will actually make you lose weight. There are certain foods that may help you cut calories by making you feel more full or make you know so you don't eat as much um, but the food itself isn't something magic that's making you lose weight so it's sort of an exaggerated claim that certain foods will make you lose weight so um, in general um, when it comes to you know eating certain foods and, and and so forth that have certain magical benefits you know there there is nothing that you're going to eat on a daily basis that's going to give you magical benefits that's going to cure some illness. There are things that you can eat that, for example, if you have constipation, um, eating things that contain lots of fiber will help, you know, that will help your constipation. But if someone tells you that there's something that you can eat that's going to cure your cold or there's something that you can eat that's going to, you know, cure your heart disease, it, it's not true. Um, you know, does chicken soup help you feel better when you have a cold? Yes, but guess what? It's because it's hot and you get in the hot shower, you're going to feel better too. It's not that the chicken soup is making you better. It makes you feel better for a few minutes. But part of it is there's hot soup and you're breathing some of the steam off of the soup and it's helping to open up your sinuses a little bit so you feel a little better. But you get the same effect from a hot shower, so it's not necessarily the chicken soup itself, but it's sort of an exaggerated claim, right? And so that's – and when you think about – if you think about misinformation – Think about some of what we'd call uh, different people in different parts of the country call it different things, but you know, old old remedies or old wives' tales or you know whatever you want to call it with 
the old remedies that people used a long time ago. Some of them, you know, some of them are really rooted in science and they work, um, even if they didn't know why they worked, but some of them did. But then there are a lot of things that just, you know, had no rooting in science and didn't work, but, you know, were common practice for years and years and years just because there weren't a lot of other options. And, okay, so so uh, well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because I'm still stuck on the chicken soup. Okay, <laughs> let let because yeah, I think we do need to demystify the whole thing because the first thing, oh gosh, I got cold, I got a flu or, or whatever, and I need to go and get some chicken soup. Okay, mm-hmm. versus any other type of soup, and you're saying mm-hmm. it's not the chicken soup. <laughs> It's the fact that it's warm and, and moist and, or whatever it is and all that kind of stuff. So what is it, I, the reason I'm trying to debunk this myth or, or bring the truth to light about this is because supposedly the thing about chicken soup was that it ha- has a natural penicillin. Is that not true? So this is what I will propose to you. <laughs> so say chicken soup has don't even say natural penicillin say you have a cold and you take penicillin is it going to help it's not because a cold is a virus Uh a virus does not respond to antibiotics so it doesn't matter whether chicken soup has natural a little bit of natural penicillin in it or not um no it doesn't think we have natural penicillin in it but even if it did it's not going to help cold because a cold is a viral syndrome it's not a bacterial syndrome so no Uh uh-huh and so I'll give you another I can get example, any you know? old soup oh. that I want. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot okay. of times people have a cold, a cold and sore throat and congestion and so forth. They'll drink hot tea and they'll add a little bit of honey to it and it makes them feel better, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like tea. I like cranberry juice. So guess what I do? I heat cranberry juice in the microwave and I put a little honey in there and sometimes cinnamon. It makes me feel better. <laughs> it's not the hot tea. It's the hot liquid. Okay, so then I'm going to go. Uh, when we talk, since we're talking about hot liquids and stuff, are, is is there something different about a hot toddy versus just a plain okay. old hot drink? So I'm a square. I don't drink, so I don't know what's in a hot toddy. Tell me what's in it. Okay, all right. So usually, my understanding, y'all help me. I mean, let me give the number out five one six three eight seven one nine four four, so I can be corrected. In this case, usually a hot toddy involves a little bit of alcohol. Right. Like a little bit of okay. All right. So I don't know. I don't. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know what else comes in. But but having said that, um, alcohol can be a cough suppressant. And um, so most most of the, your um, cough syrups do have a bit of alcohol in them. That strong taste that you get when you take mm. NyQuil, it has alcohol in it. And so it does have some effects for making it doesn't it doesn't help you cure the cold. It treats symptoms. And so it'll help you know open up your air open up your airways a little bit, open up your sinuses a little bit, and it can help soothe the cough and sore throat a little bit. Okay. So, yeah, hot toddy works, and it's hot. I assume it's hot, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I do I, – I was actually talking to my husband the other day. I remember one particular occasion where I was just really in bad shape many, many years ago. 
Um, and my neighbors, I had, you know, I gave me a little thing of uh, Jack. And mm-hmm. so I took my hot shower and everything and I put on my, you know, clothes and I got up under the, the blanket, the cover and everything. And, and I had my uh, tea with lemon and um, honey and a little bit of Jack. And mm-hmm. went to sleep. The mm-hmm. next morning, I was a new woman. It was like, what cold? What? What? I, you know, it was like it was gone. You know, I've been mm-hmm. cured. But and so, sure did you tell? Wasn't. Did you tell anybody? Did you tell anybody that that cured you? I didn't say it cured. I just said it helped. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wasn't about to make any kind of claims like that. But, you know, it's just it may have been the stage I was in in my cold or whatever. I don't know. But mm-hmm. that's I you know, we we do have a tendency to share home remedies. So, you know, <laughs> the, when you're talking about misinformation or disinformation, you you do you have all of that as well. So, yes. And so and basically you know, the cold is something that everybody's had, that everybody's familiar with, and we have a million different home remedies for colds and, you know, some of the things like you already mentioned. But it's also – the thing about a cold is it's always self-limited. Your body's going to fight it and your body's going to win at some point, whether it's 24 hours or 48 hours or five days. It's always going to be cured, right? And mm-hmm. when we treat a cold, you treat a cold by basically making yourself feel better until your body defeats the cold. You're not curing the cold. So there is no cure for a cold. There's basically symptomatic treatment until the cold goes away. And so that was one of the situations where your body got over the cold quickly. The jack just helped, probably just helped you get some sleep until you woke up the next day and felt better from your cold. You were going to feel better the next day anyway. The jack just gave you some sleep and gave you some comfort overnight. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Right. I was hoping you told somebody. I was going to accuse you of missing disinformation. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, well, like I said, I was just discussing it with my husband, but you know, I, I probably did, but because uh, I, I was feeling, I was feeling so very good after that. It's like, okay, I, was I sick really? But anyway, because I know, yeah, I know, but we, I've seen, we I, share, I remember older that. people giving, yeah, we do, but I remember older people giving little kids little bits of, you know, strong liquor when they were sick and had a cough. Of course, the babies would, like, fall asleep. <laughs> it wasn't treating them. It was get, help them get some sleep, and I guess helping the parents get some sleep as well. <laughs> That's true. That's, that's probably more of the case. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right. sure. Yeah. So, anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We're here with Dr. Taiwan Tillman. We're talking about health disinformation and misinformation and uh, if you have a question or comment the number is 516-387-1944 D's Power Hour on Never Had It's a Good Entertainment we'll be right back having a wedding reception family reunion planning a banquet or some other fundraising event need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. 
This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Did you get some medical or health information that was wrong or false or misleading. We are talking today with Dr. Taiwan Tillman on this Wellness Wednesday. He's uh, trying to help us uh, get a handle on, on what we're supposed to do with the information we get. So uh, what is the, the biggest concern that you have about this? Have you, for example, had someone that you've ended up having to to treat or you've had to recommend to another doctor because they were, I guess, acting on some information that they got to treat something that they had or thought they had and it was wrong? Oh, of course. It it, it is an everyday problem um, that we deal with as a physician with our patients. It has, it's really become a serious you know, public health problem on a global scale. And when you think about, um, it's really it's really a serious issue with serious consequences because look at, for example, how many people decided not to get vaccinated because of misinformation about vaccines. The fact that, or even before COVID, I'm speaking specifically of COVID there, but even before COVID, when you had the whole idea that vaccines were causing, were causing uh, autism episodes or increase in prevalence of autism in kids. And um, it was found out that that was all not true, that the, the guy that wrote the paper faked the whole thing and all this data was untrue and the paper had to be withdrawn. And then they did the research and found out this wasn't the case, but there are still people when they did a recent survey of several thousand people still about 15% of people believe that it was definitely true about 15% that it may be true that, um, vaccines can cause autism and so that's what caused it what caused the um you know we thought smallpox was eradicated all of a sudden there is a smallpox popping up in california because there are certain areas in california pockets of people that weren't getting their kids vaccinated because of these myths or conspiracy theories or rumors or whatever you want to call them but um so you know you have healthcare misinformation causing major problems that can, you know, occur, you know, cause major epidemics, so to speak. If smallpox, if those little individual cases had gone unchecked and then spread to entire communities and then to entire states and cities and so forth, you know, it can become a major problem. That's why it has become a public health issue that's being addressed by the Surgeon General and also by the National Institutes of Health. They're trying to figure out ways that they can combat um, the health misinformation that we're seeing. And obviously the biggest problem with combating it is social media. And social media, you know, we've talked about it before, that it is so pervasive in our society and it causes all these different problems with, you know, kids' mental health and adults' mental health. And, you know, now we're talking about health misinformation, but nobody has been able to figure out a way to control the spread of information, true or false, 
um, how to curtail um, who uses social media, how to curtail who puts information on the social media, whether it's bots or whether it's foreign countries with certain interests. You know, nobody's been able to really figure it out or get a handle on it. And that's one of the things that our government is trying to do right now is trying to figure out how do you really address this scourge of health misinformation that's being spread on a daily basis. And a lot of times, you know, the disinformation is due to a lot of times it's confirmation bias, the reason that people accept it. In other words, people want an easy solution or they have certain thoughts in their mind and they will basically grab on the thing that confirms what they believe, whether it's true or false. So if your belief is that, you know, your COVID, that COVID is fake, for example, you can read 20 things that say that COVID is real and there's a lot of science behind it and that COVID kills and so forth and so forth. And then you find one page after reading 20 that refute what you think, one page where someone agrees with what you think, and then that's the one you click on. And then once you click on that page, whatever your social media site is is going to use their algorithms and they're going to send you more pages that fits exactly what you just clicked on. And all of a sudden, you're going to be in an echo chamber where everybody that you're talking to in these groups believe everything that you say and they're confirming everything that you say so now you have someone that completely believes that COVID isn't real and the news is fake and your doctor is lying to you and the vaccines are going to kill you and you can confirm that by clicking on your social media every day and these same people will continue to tell you the same thing and more people and more people and more people get added to that group because they get there the same way one click and then the algorithm takes everybody there and you have an echo chamber so now you have a large group that believes a certain thing, and all of it's not true. And then you do a survey of 10,000 people, and you find out that 1,000 of those people went down that little wormhole, and they will refute everything that's true about whatever that topic may be. And that's the way that disinformation spreads. And, I mean, part of that, you know, people will say free speech. And, yes, it is, but it's nonetheless a problem that can cause people to die. And so how do we address that? I don't have an answer. Um, the Surgeon General does not yet have an answer. National Institutes of Health, who generates a lot of our public health policy, they don't have an answer yet. But it's certainly something that's an attempt is being made to address it on a national scale. Okay, it, it, it's really, uh, I guess, disappointing, disheartening because you know it's like it, <laughs> we we want to solve the problem. We want to solve all of these problems or we want to diminish the harm that comes from certain problems or issues and stuff like that. And so we want to, we get information and we want to share it. And then we run the risk of, you know, not sharing wrong information. So uh, that's that's really kind of difficult, really kind of hard. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. We are talking about health misinformation and disinformation with Dr. Taiwan Tillman. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. 
we're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arkansas. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Are you chilling? Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we are here with Dr. Taiwan Tillman. We are discussing health misinformation and disinformation. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. So let me ask you about um, the, I guess, officials, uh, for example, JAMA. Uh, for a lot of people, they they don't know. It's the Journal of the American Medical Association, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have these author well authority figures, so more or less that that put reports or studies out or information out. Um, for in you know for the most part, the public has access to this information. Uh, does that inf- do those um, studies, those reports have to be uh, vetted in some sort of way before they go out to the public? Yes. So articles in the in, in JAMA are that is a peer-reviewed scientific um, journal, and the articles are all. They're supposed to be meticulously reviewed and vetted before they are published. Situations where they had to retract articles, and um, but by and large, it's very difficult to get a to get an article published in JAMA because there's and, and that's in any reputable um, scientific journal. There are some that are less reputable, but you know when you think of JAMA and New England Journal of Medicine and Mayo Clinic Proceedings, those are are medical journals that are very stringent as to what they publish. Um, and so it's, it's, so it's say you're, you're writing an article about infectious disease. There's, they have their panel of infectious disease doctors that will, and that are typically um, world-renowned experts in that field that will review those, your manuscript before it's ever considered for publish, publication. And typically I've submitted several articles for publication and you'll, probably get 5, 10, 15, 20 rewrites before it actually gets published. It just depends on how extensive and how detailed it is. But um, in general, that is that is, um, that is very trustworthy. Problem is it's written for, written for medical professionals. A lot of times there is a lot of statistics involved and, and a lot of um, shop speak, so to, so to term it, where it may not be easily understandable to the general public reading it. And then what happens is there'll be an article in JAMA and then that will, maybe it's something really important. And then the news will summarize it and they'll put a blurb on the news about it. (laughs) And then it gets totally misconstrued. So there'll be something that'll show some benefits in cancer patients. And then what it says in the news is that there's a new cure for cancer. And then five years later, 
and nobody's ever heard about this again because it was never a cure for cancer. It was something that just showed some benefit, maybe even only in a test tube. You know, it may not have been anything that actually cured cancer or prevent or you know prevented cancer or did anything that was clinically important. But you know, they simplify it on the news just so it can be something they can present to the general public that they can sensationalize and get ads for. So, cure for cancer. And it was never really the case. So that's more misinformation or disinformation where they basically oversimplify or over-exaggerate the results of the trial, maybe not even intentionally, just trying to simplify it and put it in plain speak so that people understand it. But then by doing so, they completely misconstrue the results of the study. And so it's, it's – I think the way that you really get around those types of things and – is you need to really talk to your physicians. And uh, the problem is we've had an erosion of trust in our traditional care providers, an erosion of trust in our media, and that's not without good reason, an erosion of trust in our government and our government healthcare entities. And a lot of that has been driven once again by social media and, and politics and conspiracy theories. And that's really, you know, what we're trying to get a handle on as, you know, as, as a country, really, and that's why that's why it's so important because you know it can cause people to lose their lives. It can cause parents not to take their kids to the to the hospital or not to take their kids to be or to prevent their kids from receiving chemotherapy for you know cancers that are almost 100% treatable in kids. And it's something you if you can Google, you'll see those stories several times a year where kids have died because their parents decided not to give them treatment and the parents go to prison for it. But it's, you know, you get on Facebook and other social media sites and, you know, you will have people that support those decisions. And um, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it, it is. Um, wow. All right. So I, let me say this. Let me say this real quick. You asked me about okay. a specific patient. And this is how pervasive these thoughts and um, this misinformation can be. I have a patient that had polio as a child. And, you mm-hmm. know, if you have polio and it affects you, it affects your nerves, it's a lifelong problem, life, lifelong disability that can rear its head years later, even in your 70s and 80s with post-polio syndrome and get worse. Well, my patient had polio when she was a child and um, the vaccine was not available at that time. The vaccine came out a year later. And so polio, shortly after she um, contracted polio, um, vaccine came out, everybody got vaccinated, and it was effectively eliminated um, going forward in the United States. And so I would have patients during the peak of the, COVID, of the COVID epidemic, I'd have patients ask me, should I get vaccinated? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I would often use that patient as an example, and I would say, we know vaccines work. You've been vaccinated for all these different things your whole life. You never thought about it. Now, all of a sudden, we have a vaccine that may save your life and your concern. Keep in mind, most of my patients are older, 60s, 70s, 80s. And sometimes I would use that patient as an example, and I would say, I have a patient that has polio, and she's, had, she's been disabled her entire life because of polio. And she has told me several times that the vaccine came out a year later, and she was just so unfortunate that if it had come out a year earlier, her entire life could have been completely different. And she always tells me how she wishes that she had been able to get that vaccine. I said, I guarantee you that lady will take the vaccine because she knows the benefits of vaccinations. 
finally she comes in after I've been telling people this for a year, and I told her that I had been using her example. And you know what she said to me? I won't take it. I was heartbroken. She told me mm. I will not take the vaccine because I don't believe in it. I said, really? And I didn't know what I didn't know what else to say. I was just didn't know what else to say. And so that just shows she she's always she told me year after year after year how important the vaccine could have been to her. And now all of a sudden, because of what she's seen on news and the, you know, conspiracy theories and all the rumors, she doesn't believe in it. She won't take it because it's causing people to drop dead. So it's a problem. Definitely a problem. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. Um, you were t- you mentioned about tr- the the I guess the erosion of trust between the doctor and uh, the patient. You know, mm-hmm. and the the thing that I was thinking is that you know a lot of times though you hear stuff and you go to your doctor and ask them about it. And they give you, I guess, what my husband used to call the the deer in the headlights stare. Sometimes, uh, where you, it, it, but I, and I, I guess because there's so much information out there for the physicians to keep on top of. But couldn't you, if you had a question and the physician didn't know, can't the physician just say? Um, I or maybe someone in my staff or whatever will follow up and 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 get back to you on that or something like that. Of course. What? Okay. Because I'm well, just the, wondering. You know, they, they, it seems like in some cases they're just quick to dismiss it as you know it it, may, it must not be true. So you know we're not going to you know pursue pursue it. So yeah, and and that can be a problem too where. I mean, physicians are just like anybody else, you know. Sometimes they don't like to be questioned. Sometimes you have physicians that have different personalities. I think by and large, um, doctors are starting to see patients and and patient care is more of a customer care type of service. And um, Mm -hmm. they're more open to back and forth, more open to conversations and and, um, feedback. Whereas it used to be, you know, you go to your doctor, you tell your doctor what the problem is, your doctor tell you, tells you what you're going to do, and you do that, and no questions asked. But now it's more of a collaboration between the doctor and the patient. And the way I treat my patients is I tell them, you know, my job is to give you advice based on science. You can decide what you want to do with it. I'm not going to fire you if I tell you to do something and, and you decide you don't want to do it. But my job is to give you the give you advice, give you the science behind it, and give you the reasons why I'm giving you that. And then ultimately you have to decide it's your body if that's what you want to do. If you don't, then I may give you a second best option or at least try and, you know, do something else to help. I'm not going to say, you know what, you don't, you're not listening to me, so I'm not going to see you as a patient anymore. Goodbye. It's our, I mean, I, I had a patient this week that uh, on blood pressure medications, and he was saying how badly he did not want to be on them because he doesn't want to take any medication, but he's got six or seven supplements on his list. And I said, I asked him, why do you feel comfortable taking these supplements, but you don't want to take a medication for your blood pressure that has been tested, and we know what the true side effects are, and we know exactly what's in it, but you don't know what the side effects of these supplements are, nor do you know what's in them. And he looked at me, and he said, because they're supposed to be natural. I said, well, how do you know that? I mean, how do you know what's in them? He's like, well, I guess I don't, but... And, you know, it's just – and that's just the way people think. Once again, 
that gets back to confirmation bias. If you tell people something that they want to hear, then they're much more likely to believe it. Whether it's true or not, it's easy to convince them what they've already what they already believe. They don't they don't need any convincing at that point. Yeah. So, but I I think I think in those situations though. If you have a doctor that really isn't receptive to things like that and there really is a question that you know you want an answer to or something you really want to consider, maybe um, give it to your doctor a day before the appointment and tell them that you're going to discuss it before. And um, Uh that may make it a little easier in that particular situation. Um, And I don't want to stereotype, but in general, I think as doctors have changed by generation, so older physicians are probably more likely to be hesitant about discussing things on the fly like that because they may not use social media as much or internet searches or digital media as much. And that's where most of that newer information is coming from, or at least that's where the patients are getting it from. And so if they're not in tune with that, they're not going to be in tune with what the patients are asking. But also one thing that's relatively new in the past 10 years is you see all these TV commercials for new medications that they're advertising directly to the patients rather than to physicians. And, you know, I've seen commercials on TV, and I say to myself, you know what, I'm going to get that question five times a week for the next three months yeah. just because of that one commercial. And as soon as I go to work, I start getting those questions. Like, yeah, because they, do, they do say in a lot of those commercials, you know, ask your doctor. Ask your doctor. It's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. Ask your doctor. Ask your doctor. That is, yes, yes. You know, but I can also but I assure you. Yeah. If, if I think a lot of times, though, they don't listen. They don't <laughs> – I think some people no. kind of miss that part. <laughs> yes, but I can tell you, if, if also, if they got a commercial on during the Super Bowl and everybody's seeing it, that medication costs $30,000 a month. <laughs> oh, wow. That's how oh, they afford wow. those commercials. So all those commercials that you see on TV a lot, yeah, they're really expensive medications by and large. Oh, wow. And no insurance coverage? Insurance, oh, you have to fight them like the Dickens to get them to cover, and but sometimes they will. But it's it's not easy, never easy. Do you never think e- that's why a lot of people are, you know, they they are downing the supplements like crazy because they they pretty much know that is, you know, some of this that they're seeing is not going to get covered by insurance. Mm, I don't think so. I, I think I think the supplements. It's just it's just one of those things that has just become. It's just normal. You just ex, you know you just expect that. I mean, as a kid, we grew up on Flintstone vitamins. You probably have Flintstone vitamins too, right? All these different little characters. They taste good. Heck, I still have them sitting in my bathroom. I have gummy vitamins. I don't take them because they're vitamins. I take them because I like them. <laughs> My mom was old school. It was like, no, you don't. You, you, no, we're not taking that. You're taking just. You're taking what I say. You're taking regardless. <laughs> oh, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you would go. You would see other other friends. They got Flintstone vitamins. You know. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So. But yeah, I took them. We took them because we liked them. I don't know. They're they're good. Mm-hmm. I gave them my daughter when she was a kid, not because she needed them. Because I knew I liked them. I knew she would like them too. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to go to our final break. I'm going to I'm going to ask you about something though know, that was in the news recently that I did not 
uh, mentioned to you ahead of time, but I meant to, but, um, you know, whatever you know about it, or you can kind of direct me in terms of what I'm supposed to do about it when we come back. So if you have, we still have a few minutes. If you have questions for Dr. Taiwan Tillman, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. It is Wellness Wednesday on G's Power Hour, the second Wednesday of the month, and we are glad to have Dr. Taiwan Tillman back with us. Uh, so, Dr. Tillman, I heard something recently about water. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. When did um, you hear about the, bottled water? Uh, it was on one of those morning shows. Um, and about the plastics in the bottled water and how much we may or may not be consuming. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just talk about water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and let's talk about information, misinformation, disinformation. But um, first of all, we we all should be drinking water. Some of us should be drinking more water, like me, but um when when we talk about where the where our sources of water should come from what are the things we should be considering well when it comes to water you don't have a lot of choices right you can get bottled water or you can get water from your community water or you know you can you know, buy filtered water or get filters at home and so forth. But all water eventually, I mean, originally comes from the same place, right? The question is mm-hmm. what's been done since it's been taken out of the ground to it before it gets to your mouth. And right. if you look at, and so, so I guess part of what, what you're getting at is the container that it's been in, that's where the plastics come from. And I know what you're talking about. They've, well, there's been a while where they've talked about um, there's certain types of plastic that le- leaches um, things into the into the water that could cause cancer, particularly if the water's been sitting in a bottle in high heat and the bottle degrades or things like that. They, I think a while ago, those types of plastics have no longer been used for manufacturing water bottles. So that's no longer an issue. But now what they're finding is microplastics and they're finding microplastics in everything so if you i don't know how they detect these microplastics um but they find them in water they find them in meat they find them in vets you know a little bit of everything have these little micro i don't they're extremely tiny i don't know if they have any clinical significance if it can cause any problems um 
so I, I don't know that they know it like long term. What could this do? Does it cause any problems or is it so tiny that even when you ingest them that they just pass out through your urine, pass out through your sweat or just completely dissolve and become a non issue because they're so small and I don't know. I don't know. But um, the water, let's talk about water real quick. So you can get water directly that's been directly taken out of a spring and or out of a stream. So that water, obviously, it's been treated to make sure that there are no pathogens in it. But that water will have lots of nutrients in it. It'll have things like calcium and magnesium and, you know, things that are helpful to you. And that water is, is going to be very health, health, healthy for you. Um, but the types of water that you're getting a lot of time from bottled water is some of the most popular. I'm not going to say names, but some of the most popular water brands that you will see are city, they're city water. And they take mm-hmm. the water and they treat the water. It may be treated um, as a distilled water where they basically evaporate the water and that leaves the impurities behind and then they collect the, the vapor and, and that is then recondensed in the water. And that's very pure water. And then the other form is um, where they do um, distillation or, or osmosis, where they do triple reverse osmosis, where it gets filtered and a really, really, really fine filter under pressure. And that also removes a lot of, of the contaminants. But distilled water is going to be the most, the purest form of water because water will evaporate at a certain temperature. And when it evaporates, it leaves everything, all the impurities behind. But you also lose a lot of the nutrients that would be in the water. And so if you get distilled water in a glass container, probably going to be your healthiest water that you can get distilled in glass because the glass isn't going to impart any impurities into the water and it's been distilled, all the impurities are left behind, but it's also, it also won't have the nutrients and so forth in it, but that is pure water. So when you're doing scientific experiments and you need pure water that is completely um, pH neutral, has no flavor, no impurities, no nothing, Distilled water is um, typically what you're going to use. And so, and baby water—that's what baby water is. Baby water is distilled water. Distilled water, right? Mm-hmm. But, so it's in, distilled, but it comes mostly in a plastic container. I know. That's what I was just going to ask you. It's like, how do I get that in a glass container? Um, because I know, for example, one of the things that I did you. last year for my one of my, I guess you could say, resolutions or or in an effort to drink more water also is that I bought, instead of the plastic containers or metal containers for the gym or whatever, I bought a few glass containers um, because Mm -hmm. I know it's supposed to be healthier to drink out of glass um, Mm -hmm. with the, I guess, the silicone sleeve on the outside so that it's it's less Mm -hmm. likely to break. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the water that I'm getting is still <laughs> bottled water, um, mm-hmm. or like we have a I, I can't remember if it's Brita or, or Pure. I think it's Pure um, mm-hmm. filter where we um, uh, take some of the the tap and we filter it through. Right. Um, and so I I guess what I'm trying to also find out in terms of the lesser of the two evils, whether or not I get my bottled water from the store in a plastic bottle, or if I take the tap and filter it through in a pure Brita filtered. uh, So if if you're trying to get your healthiest option of water at home, you have two choices. One is you can buy a reverse osmosis filter that they will hook 
you can get installed under your sink and a specific mm-hmm. tap for drinking water. That's probably going to be the easiest option for you to find. And okay. there are lots and lots of manufacturers that sell those things. I'm sure you can buy it and install it yourself as well. Um, it's not dirt cheap, um, but once you get it installed, it's, it's you know pretty easy to use. It does have filters that have to be changed out, but um, that's going to be the most common option, option that people will buy. There is a newer option that I've seen, and it's actually a machine that um, basically takes water from the humidity in the air, which is basically distillation in a mm-hmm. sense, but it takes water from the humidity in the air, and then um, it, creates, it can create, I think, up to 20 gallons of water a day, depending on how big your machine is. They're kind of expensive, a few thousand dollars, and it requires some type of filter and cartridge. But um, that's also a newer option. I've only seen that once um, earlier, or I guess it was last year. But um, it was it was something that I, it's something that I've always wondered why nobody had done. And mm-hmm. I saw that, and I thought that may not be a bad purchase, you know, because you get healthy water. It's unlimited. Only thing you have to pay for is um, the filters or the cartridge, whatever comes with the machine, and uh, mm-hmm. you just get constant water out of it, and it's really pure water and it hasn't been put in any type of container or anything before you get it you can put it directly in your glass bottle and off you go you'll have to send me information on that so i can look into that yeah i i, I um, meant to look for it again um but it was relatively hmm. new i think i think the machine was a few thousand dollars but i think it's the first one on the market i think it's something if it becomes a more common technology will obviously get cheaper I, and, and I'll probably have, because we, we only got a few minutes, I, I probably will have another discussion with you later about water because I think it's, it's you know, as, as much as it is a pain for me, to, it's kind of a forced issue to drink water. But I'm, I've gotten better and I'm working at it. But um, I, I guess part of my question is what happened to our water? Where When I was a kid, you used to pick up the hose, you know, you turn on the and you picked up the hose and you got, you drank water out of the hose and you didn't think anything about it and your folks didn't think anything about it and now it's like, no, you know, it is forbidden. Uh, so we've got to have a discussion about that. But um, with, with our minute or so that we have left, I want to go back to our original um, focus and ask you, what is the main thing that we should be doing to make sure that we don't get um, – uh, misinformation or uh, disinformation? Well, I think there are things that we need to do ourselves. Number one, have a high threshold for false information. Be skeptical. So when you hear information, particularly if it's not coming from your doctor or a vetted source, be very skeptical. And then when you have an information, a the source that gives you medical information, check the source. A lot of times you'll see you'll see something on the internet that you think is a reliable source, and you look at the bottom, they're selling something. It's actually an ad. Don't ever trust information that comes from an ad or someone that's selling you something because likely the information is tilted in order to get you to make the purchase. And then in the end, if you have questions, just talk to your doctor or whoever your medical um, professional or provider is because more than likely – they can give you information or at least guide you to somewhere where you can get reliable information on the questions that you have. Always a, a pleasure and a treasure. Thank you, Dr. Taiwan Tillman. Uh, you have a blessed, blessed day. Well, month. Hopefully we'll thank be back next month. Take care. And thank you all Bye-bye. for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed. Give a loved one a hug, and please remember all real power comes from God. Take care.